the best free to play game is StarCraft. Oh, welcome Back. to the Dresden Files podcast. <laughs> welcome to the Dresden Files podcast, the only podcast we're talking about. The Dresden Files, and it's titled that. Uh, we're here going to be talking about uh, changes, changes part three of however many it takes, which might and be the last one. We're going to try our best to avoid a part four. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, we do have news. We do have news before we get to that, though. But uh, our news person you? isn't here, fucker. Oh, <laughs> oh my! Oh, so we do cuss. We do cuss on the Dresden Files podcast, <laughs> and we do spoil everything. So if this is your first time reading changes, uh, you better Go not away. care about spoilers. Uh, and what are you doing with starting with part three of a podcast? So <laughs> uh, we are up to chapter sixty-five. Uh, and Priscilla is saying it might be coming up. The end might be coming up soon in like three chapters or so. Well, but it's hard on. to say. I'm going to read her comment specifically because it was very confusing. Um, at least I found it confusing and I'm not caffeinated right. enough. She's Let's get the pretty sure it's not going to be. God damn it. I went away from the page. Never mind. Um, <laughs> pretty sure it's not going to be the second to last chapter. But she's thought that for the past three chapters anyway. Yeah, she thinks the next one will be the second last chapter, but she's thought that for the last several chapters. So it's hard yeah. to know when it's going to Sounds like an epic denouement. We already know generally the fallout from uh, reading, what was it? What, what was the Christmas story that came out? Christmas story. Was that Christmas Eve? It was oh, Christmas Eve. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Christmas story is the one with the lamp. Uh, so we know from Christmas Eve that there's some major, uh, major Armageddon going on. We don't know quite. Uh, quite what level, whether it's just Chicago or just a bunch of people. Uh, so we'll find out, hopefully within the next year or two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if if we're in the low single digits, right, like maybe two months and he'll be done with the actual chapter writing stuff and then six months to a year until release, right? So Maybe Christmas. Maybe maybe he's delaying it on purpose. Maybe to line it up so that Christmas birthday. Eve is going to happen at the exact same time, right? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. The second bit of news is that he did uh, send a link to his publisher about uh, a very recent Dresden Files publication uh, that he posted that on his Twitter, which is so <laughs> inactive it's practically not there, and it was just a link to briefcases. Yeah, that's not news. I thought it was wonderful, though. Yeah. He is the girl subreddit all hot and bothered for about thirty seconds. So that's that was. It's funny. It's funny. It does look like though, if you care about merch, that he has a couple of McAnally's things. It looks like a phone case for the World Builders charity that he usually contributes to. So you can contribute to a charity and get a McAnally's pub mug. I need to get one of those mugs for sure. Yeah. One of these days. Um, are, are we jumping into changes now? Is that done with the We're names? You're starting with chapter 36? Yeah, 36. we kind of stopped in the middle of chapter 36, so we can start in the middle of chapter 36, I guess, of basically the build-up towards the fight at the Earl King's Hall with all the Ebes and the Reds. Oh man, we're totally doing five parts. There's no way. <laughs> we're try not to. We're trying. So we're, can we please finish? Like I'm at like cold days now. I know. So, so they show up in the middle of the thing. 
they decide to do a trial by combat, right? Because they have competing claims right. and the Earl King can't do anything to hurt either party, or at least he can't do anything to hurt Harry and Susan because he accepted them as guests by slip of right. the tongue, but he can make them do a combat to each other to see which one is true. And so there's a bunch of that and there's some talk between Harry and Susan and then the Eves are bickering and then they go at it. Okay. Well, they, they throw one of their puny henchmen in with the ick and they're like, cool, you do it. Bye. So. Yeah. And uh, combat. Someone do a play by play. No, we don't have enough time. But the Very suffice it to say, basically, the ick is like a CR twelve monster, and they put in like a CR one vampire lackey and two D and D for you. But anyway, so Harry and Susan basically get the the little vampire squished by the ick, which kind of takes him out of the equation. But the ick is kind of a big badass anyway. Um, they do have a slight advantage that, you know, Thomas and Mouse basically fucked it up in the previous fight at, at uh, Rudy's house. So um, so it's kind of limped and lamed. And then um, Susan had like the table leg still from the uh, FBI building that she drops in the fire and then turns it into like a spear of some kind or something. Yeah, there's an uh, awesome moment where she comes out of fire out of nowhere and then like going at the ick and right. then she gets just backhanded away it broken back and probably all that shit right uh i've oh yeah harry brings down the house literally on top of the ick uh, yeah. basically he i think he forzaries the ca the cavern roof like he gets knocked all the way across the the field by the ick and then he's like and then i saw the solution which i totally would not have thought of if i didn't just get knocked on my ass or something like that and he, he brings it down right on top of him, and uh, he manages to shield himself and Susan, if I remember right. So Wait, he, he opens a way. Uh, yeah, he opens a oh, way right. and a shield shape around him. And then right. uh, it's the great yeah. moment of thinking whatever they do when they transfer it into a TV show is that a whole bunch of ectoplasm comes out of nowhere and then like throws onto Rudolph or something. Right. Yeah, he's, he says he hopes that like it's going to be ectoplasm and, no, and not somebody got crushed by rocks. There's, oh, there's nothing keeping it right, rock-shaped, though. If I remember right, he wasn't sure. Like, right. He's pretty sure, but oops, you know. And right. we'll deal with that later. So. But the, the, just the incomprehensibleness of whatever's happening to Rudolph and then go out of nowhere. Right. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. You know, if, if, I, if I were editing a TV adaptation, I'd start with Rudolph, and then he's finally... But back on his feet, he's like, no, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. This is nonsense. And he starts bossing people around, and the moment he raises his finger, the way opens up, and this <laughs> comedy shot splat. Just gets splattered with gunk. Right. I mean, okay. it just throws back to my favorite line in, in a couple of these chapters. is like, Rudy, do you remember the day we met? You know, so just... Anyway, um, so so they managed to crush the ick and probably Rudy with a bunch of you know ectoplasmic slime. Uh, Susan's totally fucked up, but it's okay because we're gonna have this super hot like blood transfusion scene. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, we've got the Earl King, you know, he I, he like claps and then like the goblins have already like grabbed the Eves and everybody else and yeah. drags them away where they're totally murdered and never to be seen again probably. The Eves were trying to scram with all the confusion, but they were not able to outwit the goblins. And then they get hauled off. Right. 
and Susan and Harry go through a way and end up in a Bass Pro Shop, right? Right. Yep. Yeah, because it's hunting and game related. So mm -hmm. it's very <laughs> on theme. Right. Because the Earl King opened the way and, yeah. and sent them. So that's so, something I appreciate about this is even though it's still the Earl King's Hall they're leaving from, it the atmosphere in the hall had changed. It had been, you know, the court of the hunters at rest. And of course that's from FBI headquarters to there. And then it became the Bass Pro Shop because it was it, they had just completed a contest. They had just completed a game. It's a nice little touch. I I follow you. I yeah okay. I mean the we already know that the opening away is you know subjective anyway, right? So it it could be a whole bunch of different stuff. But I like uh, I'll allow it. I like it. <laughs> one thing one thing I do want to point out since we were we were talking about him getting knocked on the butt and looking up and seeing how he won. I just want to that seems like the pattern, you know. Throughout the series, it's only been the last book or two where he's been able to just dispense some uh, uh, some incredible ownage and just, at, uh, you know, do pretty well for himself. Generally, he gets knocked on his butt a couple times first. And so that this this fight is just a brief version of what's been happening the entire series. Completely outclassed, completely outgunned. Monster's got some wounds, but still, you know, still dishing damage. But then he gets the new perspective and has that little insight. It's a nice little brief taste of, of the series as a whole. And maybe I'm just reading too much into it. It's a fight scene. Yeah. Well, it's indicative of Harry, right? Like even from his perspective and certainly from what we see, he gets lucky more times than he gets good. And so that's why it's like, it's kind of funny to see Wardens deal with Dark Lord Dresden instead of, you know, Harry Dresden who can barely pay the bills. Um, right, 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 right. But when they get to the Bass Pro Shop, they have that Rip Van Winkle moment of they've lost too much time, even though it only felt like a half an hour to them. It's been like two hours or some number of that. So they were 30 minutes past their departure time. Right. Until they go outside and uh, Leah is there. It's like, what the hell were you doing with Earl King? Honestly, child, what possesses you to go visit the hunter at a time like this or something like that? Well, and is it now or is it Murphy tells them about, you know, like time zones and shit like that, you know, because they, they kind of deal with that, right? It's like, it's not like this is happening at midnight Greenwich time or something. Uh, Susan um, says that, yeah. It's not like it's set up on Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of, they're doing it based on the stars. These are ancient people. They don't give a shit about time zones. Right. Um, but Harry is like, well, they could also do it half an hour before midnight and we're even more late. Right. He doesn't say that. Right. Yeah, since you know holding on to that doesn't exactly help you any, so yeah. might as well go do it anyway. I mean, at the vet, at the worst part, they're going to show up. They're going to be the Revengers, and they're just going to like kill everybody anyway. So yeah, well, and and the fact that Harry's still alive, right? That probably should have occurred to him. So mm -hmm. he'd be like, hey, they probably didn't do the thing. Well, they know they didn't do a thing, but they might not be there in time to stop the thing. Ah, uh, I get you. Yeah. Uh, so they go outside, and there's a gigantic emerald green stretch limousine that is yelling at them. <laughs> With they, your favorite person inside? Yes. Uh, then there's a Glenn Mile, who is the driver, and he gets out, and he's immediately way too handsome, and Jason's like, fairy. No. Because the emerald green limousine did not tip it off. Yeah. So. Or the uh, insane driving. 
right? He didn't quite notice that yet because even though it just tried to run them over, um, he only notices the insane driving when he's inside the car and doing the fashion show, which is the next part, the fashion show. Right. Yeah, the let's play dress up, so. And the line of, no, I don't do hats. Right. Even though it's literally necessary, or it would have been necessary for him to actually win, this this would prevent him from uh, from uh, uh, being subject to the will of the Lords of Outer Night. It's actually an important part of his battle armor, and he doesn't do it because of me, which is wonderful, right? Because that would give him protection in the in his head against the the will, right? Um, might have done a little bit. I thought. Well, that's Howells is. Uh, Oh, uh, how else is Susan standing up to them? This, or I guess she's invisible, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, she was invisible up until she wasn't. We'll get there. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but I, I, do, I do appreciate that when Leah does uh, say, uh, uh, paying a visit to the hunter, she actually calls it a social call. Like she's completely read in on the, uh, on the way Harry got, got through that situation in the, in the loophole, him being a visitor and a guest. Interesting. So she it, and I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how uh, how she knows about that in that with that specific context, or if she's just being flippant. She might be being flippant, and it just happens sure. to be accurate. Right. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and she's got two hours lead on Dresden, so like she could watch it minute by minute and still not lose time. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, she is second in power only to Mab. Like, she's mm-hmm. even above uh, the, the lowest fairy queen, right? Yeah, and she's been able to track Dresden wherever he's in fairy ever because she's his fairy godmother. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So they play dress up. Uh-huh. And they get him out of his clothes, into his clothes, into different clothes. I forget all the different kinds of outfits, but they basically settle on the conquistador thing because it's the thing that would piss off Ariana the most. And then you get the backstory of why she went with Ortega because he was a conquistador and she both loved, hated him and all that craziness. Well, because like, yeah, Cortez and them, you know, destroyed her entire people. And then she's like, I'm going to make you love me and then break your heart for eternity. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know, man, vampires are fucking weird. So, but I kind of like the description because it's like, you know, it looked like, uh, Games Workshop, you know, melt, melded with the, uh, you know, conquistadors. So it's like now every time I just see like gigantic pauldrons. You know, yeah, for sure. You know, and the big ass helmet, and it's like twice as big as his head or whatever. It's like, yeah. And then Susan gets called a concubine, and that's weird, even though it's accurate. And then she gets Mayaned. Right. And then also has like the, uh, can turn invisible thing that we referenced earlier. Also, Glenn Mile uh, shoots her, but oh. it just kind of like bounces off her head or something. She's like, God damn it, that hurt. It was loud. Right. Yeah. Because they, they were making a fuss about how her armor basically is fantasy armor, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, this is going to protect anything. So he like shoots her point blank at the head. And yeah. Where, where there's like no protection and be like, surprise, magic. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they get to St. Mary's and oh, Leah. And how long, do, how long do they last? How long do they last? They don't, don't tell me until midnight. Of course not, child. Am I from summer? Till noon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great. 
would have been awkward if it was midnight. Okay, let's back. Shit. I I think that I think that was my other favorite part. Thinking it through this time, I was like, yeah, dude, it, you'd totally be fucked if you had joined summer because they'd be like, oh, it's out at midnight. I'm like, yeah, right when I need it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Being when you have to fight the bad guys that are active at night, because of course they are, because they're bad guys, it's more helpful to be on the side of other bad guys because they're also active at night and have those abilities. Well, think, think about it here, though, too. It's, it's not just sunrise, it's noon. And, uh, for for uh, Harry's magic, Harry's magic, he says uh, to get through a sunrise is a significant point for him, uh, or at least presumably for all wizards. Well, but for, of course, for summer and winter, for, it's, it's mortal magic. I, I don't. I would assume it's somewhat the same rules for fey magic, but we don't. We don't really know because Harry's always talking from a mortal magic perspective. But it seems like magic in general because ghosts go poof. They're not necessarily mm -hmm. mortal magic. Yeah, the sunrise is a cleansing True. effect, and so it'll it'll uh, reset in some portion what's already there. But because the enchantment is going until the strike of noon it might not be affected by sunrise because it's on different constraints. Mm. Or maybe it is, but he's not fighting during sunrise, so we don't know. Right. Fair enough. So, St. Mary's? Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, Sonia says, sometimes I just love this job because he gets to gawk at Susan. Yes. And, and then they dish out the Lord of the Rings. Yes, they have to Right. Mouse is Gimli, the most important one. So short and stout. And Harry. There you go. Yep. What about Harry? Uh, I forget. Who did the Murphy got cast as who? Yeah, I was just trying to find that again. Aragon? Uh, no, I thought Sonya was Aragon. Maybe. Aragorn. Um I know Leah's Gandalf. Right. And then Harry pitches a fit and it's like, well, dude, she's got way better magic than you. And you're Sam. Like, what the hell? Are you kidding me? Like, dude, did you read the books? Of course. Well, then you know that Sam was actually the hero of the tale. What? Who gets Frodo? I don't, I don't, I wanted to say Murphy, but I don't think she got cast as any of the hobbits because she makes a line of like, if you make me one of the hobbits, we're going to throw down. Like, I, that's what I remember. No, no, just if she was, if she's made Ghibli. If oh, Murphy's okay. made Ghibli, she says, yeah, we throw down. Yeah. I, she because is fairly finished that sentence. Tough, Thomas said. I was going to say tough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Trying to find it and. It is not easy to find what the hell she got cast as. Maybe he didn't get some specific for her. Right. If you just search Gandalf, the whole sentence should be like there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And then Martin, predictably, or, you know, not predictably, but uh, some foreshadowing gets cast as Boromir, right? So. Mm. Yeah. Man, I should have written all this down. Yeah, I have it. I have it right here if you need it. So, so uh, Sonya wants to be Legolas, but Thomas says, "No, I'm Legolas." So Thomas right. is Legolas. Martin is Boromir, and Sonya is Aragorn. Right. Uh, that's in dialogue. Uh, Martin's more like Gimli. He's so dour, said Sonya. Uh, but uh, let's see here. Susan is more like Aragorn, and they they're kind of bickering about it. They're bickering about it more than anything. Um, 
and then Mouse wants to be Gimli. So it's 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 kind of just a fun thread running through the yeah. chapter rather than a. Well, you know, then there's like actual conversation about what they're doing at Chichen Itza. And so it's like, I can't pay attention to the important thing of the casting because I see other combat info in here. <laughs> right, right. Gosh, <laughs> all this tactical planning getting in the way of this fan casting inside yeah. the Dresden. Have they, have they never been on Reddit? Don't they know what's important? <laughs> <laughs> when bored, fan casting is the most important thing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> This is almost not even fan casting. This is the uh, internet quiz. Which Lord of the Rings Fellowship character are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and no mention of what Molly is, right? Mm. No, yeah. I didn't see mm. yeah. hmm. right. But um, they did have a discussion about how to get to Chichen Itza, I believe, in all the, the jungle. And there's a comparison of it's not as bad as Cambodia but it's worse than something else. Right, and it's like, thank you for that. <laughs> it's illuminating to like three people and Harry's going like, what are you talking about? It's just like five miles. You don't get it, jungle right. is bad. Isn't it like Cambodia and Yucatan or something like that? No, because they're going to Yucatan, so they have to compare it to two different place, other places. So Cambodia and something else, you know, I'll fucking find it. I can search. The Congo maybe? Tougher than the lower Amazon, not as bad as Cambodia, is what Martin said. So then the, Harry just says, maybe Leah can help us out. And she totally gleefully does. She's like, I've got just a thing for this, and I've always wanted to do it, too. Yep. Maybe um, I missed it. We didn't, we didn't skip over uh, the conversation with Ebenezer, did we? No, that's coming up. Because now they all pile okay, into okay. the gigantic green limousine, and Sonia is thrilled. Because he's never been in a limo before. Um, Sonya is just generally just a positive dude. Yeah, and this is like the best adventure ever. <laughs> right. And as they get into the limo, uh, when Ebenezer starts yelling at him and he says, I have to take this call, and everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Wizard, Wizard, Wizard stuff. <laughs> yeah. So now he goes back into this little call meditation thing, and then you have the conversation of why it's so important that he saves this little girl. Right. Right. This is this is where he realizes because we were we were talking about that last time where it's like, yeah. doesn't he know already? He's kind of being a dick, right? It's like, no. no, now he gets it. Now he's like, oh, oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do what you gotta do then. Uh, we'll be here rallying the troops. He doesn't say that, but you know, that's what mm -hmm. ends up happening. So And that whole kind of conversation is like, you have to go, you have to go take care of your little girl. And uh, you don't really get to see much of Ebenezer's reaction now about the whole thing. Her name is Maggie until later. Right. Um, and when he gets back from the phone call, Molly had apparently explained everything of what that was. And he's just like, you don't give away secrets as a part of being, being a wizard. <laughs> yep. Okay. Don't interrupt the wizard while he's wizarding. <laughs> what is it? Uh, Russia wizard, you get a Russian miracle worker, you get lousy miracles. Right. Um, Russia miracle worker, you get lousy miracles. Yeah. I need that on a coffee mug. <laughs> uh, oh, the next bit of merch. <laughs> because I've I've been going ahead since this has been taking so long. A little reference to to this very thing of Harry's character in Cold Days is that. 
where Thomas is like, so you want me to just follow along and you won't tell me what's going on and put me in mortal danger? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, they go on to Wrigley Field, right? And they go to the pitcher's mound for the way, but they have to stop and have a conversation about, can you trust the fairy godmother? Because she's scary. Right. She's like, yes, you can, but no, you can't. She's our scary fairy godmother, and you can trust her to leave your ass if you get in trouble, mm -hmm. and you can trust her to tempt you, and you can trust her to murder as many of the other people <laughs> as possible. So, And then I love the moment when she says, uh, when he's saying if you can't really trust her, or you can, you can trust her to be exactly as vicious as she always is. Right. Uh, Susan says something, do you have no shame about it? And she says, shame, child, is for those who fail to live up to the ideal for what they believe they should be. It was shame that drove me to my queen to beseech her aid. Right. I don't know, the little, the same thing that happens to Leah with an all the sort of cat Sith of like, they're fighting the nemesis because they want to be what they are. They want to stay what they are as a she, because that is what they are. Right. I love well, that. But, but that and, I mean, in Kat Sis' case, he was under a compulsion. Like, he was just under two compulsions is the difference. Yes, right? But literally he was fighting one of them. Yeah, literally his queen's word. And then the, you know, outside force and nemesis. But, yeah. <laughs> Molly says something like, okay, upgraded to spooky crazy death she lady. And oh. Leah says, we should talk when this is over. Right. No. <laughs> you leave her alone. Spoiler alert, it's totally going to happen. Mm -hmm. I love all those little spoilers. And then they go into the way. Yep. Do they... How long do we think that she has been planning stuff for Molly? Was it At before? least since Grave Peril, right? Yeah. yeah but right. Like, like planning, you know, what... Ha I, I don't think it was planned per se right like they never were like oh man i can't wait to get molly yeah, a, they were just she's a backup but they were yeah they were kind of like keeping her warm so to speak you know right. so so there's grave peril when she's mentioned there's proven guilty where she's stolen and then gets tied to dresden and then as dresden becomes more fairy inclined and then ghost story is the biggest uh catalyst essentially of what they can actually get a hold of her right i don't know it's definitely been in motion for several years in Gra grave peril is that where that's where with uh which like can i have your firstborn right mm -hmm. but that for the sword so for all we know about the western verse each individual has free will and i don't think a dad can give away his daughter oh he probably totally could it i mean where the fairies are concerned Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so just a, you know, selling of a mortgage of guardianship. Right. Well, that, that's, yeah, exactly. And then they would uh, try to convince them while they're, as they're raising the child that the child had no opportunity to do otherwise than what they said, even though the child did. They just, they would just uh, deceive without lying. Uh, and I mean, if, they, if you really want to get complicated, right? So Michael gives her to the fairies. The fairies turn her into a murder hobo. What happens to her soul? 
And that's kind of what we're dealing with now, right? But even even more so as a child, right? Because it wasn't her choice to ever do that, right? So like what happens in that case? Yeah, Dresden Files, that's, we could probably do a whole episode on that. The Knight of the Cross that comes and tries to save her soul. The that's same Knight of the Cross that gave her up? Or Sonya. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, I'm just saying, like, if if for some reason Michael did that to get the sword back, which I don't think he ever would have, right? But but if if somebody had done that, you know, what happens to that child? So Well, it, I think the same thing is kind of what's going on with Skin Game, right? That's what Uriel was trying to do, his grand plan of having a moment to sway all of the minions of Nicodemus. Like that those kids when they grow up they don't have a choice in that that's just what they're indoctrinated as but uriel and others are trying to give them a moment of making a choice mm. interesting yeah, because otherwise the normal thing the normal thing for them will be uh just as nab says to harry at the end of uh, ghost story you are mine you are mine and all that right and uh it, it takes that choice. moment of uriel to say she can never force you to do other than but, you know, she can never force your she can, will. It's funny, though, because it's, 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 I guess this is a perspective thing. And she's like, you're mine. I have you. And, like, she can't lie. She believes this. And But dead Uriel's like, you have free, you always have free will. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's a pretty special case for Uriel, too, though, right? Because he's balancing the that's other true. thing, which pushed Dresden. Well, I, I, I was more using I was more using it as an example of what would happen to a child raised by fairies. They would just get that all the time. Right, and so there would be need to be some kind of knight of the cross, even not a blood relation, right? Some kind of knight of the cross or somebody of that uh, of that power or purpose who would, you know, tell these. Well, they're not changelings. In actual fairy lore, they'd be called changelings, I guess. No, they yeah. wouldn't. Maybe uh, the child traded for changelings. But yeah, they they'd be told. They'd be told. Uh, they were given some opportunity to make a real choice when they maybe didn't realize that they had before. When I was uh, they would be, oh, yeah, sorry. No, go, go ahead. I was just saying that if you're having a child raised by fairies, it would get that nab lie uh, constantly, and that would be how they're raised. And mm -hmm. so I think the director's comparison to the uh, uh, the knight or the the uh, who are the the foot soldiers of the Denarians, I think that's the best comparison. And so there would be some kind of counterbalancing thing in the in the White God's plan to allow for some kind of choice to break in. In the well, lives of the children raised by fairies, with the fairies, and she like she would be the the changeling out of mythology in this example. The changelings that we see in Summer Night, even they had it put on them that they have a choice that they can make. That's sure. true, but that's true. that's because of their you know, right parentage. But, so Mab cannot force them to choose to become a fairy. She can just encourage them and obfuscate the issue. But right, even exactly. that limitation happens even for someone who has partial fairy blood. Right. So this human child that gets taken would still see things like that, that structure of that, of all of the ways that they will trick you, they still can't force you to make the choice. I mean, I get it, but that's... I it would be extremely feel, damaging to a child, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I was like, there. I feel like it's... I don't know, overly hopeful or naive or something to say that that child has a prayer in resisting, right? Like, 
find me an instance where it's happened in folklore practically even, right? Like, I guess you could say like Hansel and Gretel or something along those lines, right? But most kids, like we could take it even a step further with a proper changeling who was like stolen out of their crib. That kid's gonna do whatever the fairies tell him to do because that's all he's ever known. You know, he or she, whatever. It's it, That child was raised to do that. I can't imagine like, yes, sure, freedom of choice and whatever, but like, Everything you know, every, every input says to do this thing. Who cares if it's wrong or bad or broken or whatever? Because it's not like they taught you proper morals along the way, I would imagine. No. So, metaphorically speaking, it's... But you would be taught the limitations of what they can actually do. And when the limitations is not being able to say an untruth, then that becomes your weapon. Well, exactly. And uh, if that you are taught from an early age to interpret... Uh, and to manipulate saying only true things to get your way, you can start to unravel some of the conditioning that you've been put into at the very least. But I would contend that in the Dresdenverse, there is probably some kind of mechanism uh, for allowing the uh, children raised by fairies to, have, to make some kind of choice, just as there is with the uh, uh, foot soldiers of the Denarians. So uh, that's my guess. Uh, but it would it would fit the world building that we have so far, the primacy of choice and the importance of that. In real life, you would probably have recourse to something like conscience, uh, but that's not really how the Dresden verse uh, talks about these issues. So, I mean, it is what it is. I don't know if that makes any sense. I think it'd be a fun topic at some point, but we don't have time right now. So. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Tangents like these is where it's going to take us five parts. Right. Okay. Sarissa, let's put a, a pin in it. When we get to cold days, remind me to talk about Sarissa about this because I think that's relevant to what we were just saying now. Okay. Anyway. Someone take so notes. <laughs> right. That's on you, buddy. We okay. have made it through four chapters, okay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> going through the ways. It's only like, left, right? like Giza. Okay. Well, th this They're one. Walking around. Okay, they went then to the court. Then they go to the jungle. And they go through like another thing of a bunch of crystal pyramids, which I think is a reference to the Lords of Light, Amber, something. Rogers Elasney. I've not read them. Um, and then a swim and then a jungle. Here's the oh. thing this is going to be the last time we have the time to talk about the ways. I feel like this is the appropriate time. How does Margaret's jewel thing? actually work is it predictive or does it just record the ways and does so does it record only ancient ways that are very stable so uh because the ways change all the time the gem works that she recorded where she had been where she found and it seems to be like some form of journal or diary and dresden will touch it to see if like has she ever been there can he figure out how to go there based on it and it kind of like presents the information i think it's like some sort of mental google search Sure, like Google Maps for the ways, but given the time lapse, I would wonder if there's some kind of way, are the, is, does, is there some kind of use of predicting the way ways change? Because unless it's, you only it have is to use specifically, it is specifically said, I don't know if the gym can do this, but that Margaret could predict the changing of the ways. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't know if she put that knowledge into the gym, or if it does it itself, or there's some sort of artificial Margaret inside. 
honestly, the gem so far anyway is one of the most underutilized things that Harry's ever gotten because think, yeah. there are all of those questions, right? And the fact that he never seems to use it again, uh, yeah. whether he, he lost it or what have you, you know, so... It's, he gets it back. I'm, I'm in cold days. He gets it back. The gem is there. Uh, okay. Uh, when he gets it. <laughs> It's been definitely it's been fitted a proper end instead of being glued in. Right, right, okay, yeah. But that that was basically a cameo. It hasn't been used. It like hasn't this, been used. But... Which, I mean, I don't know in skin games when that was like when yeah, he, he didn't used find it. the way. They they yeah. they already had that information. I guess um, in cold days, but I don't even in cold days. There's not much reason to use it. I don't see a reason where he's like, unless he could skip around town faster. But I mean, I think. You could kind of wonder why didn't he use it to get to the island at the well, end when he wanna, you, to get to the island. You don't want it. You don't want to go on the other side. It's his island. And at the other side, it's bad. But it's his island. It, I don't know what's on the other side, but Nick, Nicodemus says it's bad. The gatekeeper says it's bad. It's it's. We know what's beneath the island. Yeah. It's gotta be it, bad. It 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 inspired Harry to name it Demon Reach. Like yeah. Every, and that was not Harry's idea to call the demon reach. That's just its name, or that's just appropriate. The yeah, nature, so it's, it's bad. Right, this the is a conversation for cold days. Yeah. We're in the middle of changes. Yes, Dr. Director. Forgive us. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we get to the jungle. And, we get to the jungle. And Martin impersonates a jaguar. Oh, right. Yeah, because everything's like all loud and freaking out because they're there and then he like growls and they all shut the hell up. Yeah. Like they're extinct here, but the animals don't know that. Okay, cool. Um, And then yeah, and then Leah turns them all into hounds and it really hurts and when Harry is trying to yell at him, her, it doesn't work because he's barking. Right. But she and Mouse totally understand it anyway. And then Mouse tells him to shut up and sit down. Mouse's alpha dog. Yep. Yeah. I was like, like, that bitch. That bitch. <laughs> and then they take off running, and running is really fun, and you can't not run when other dogs are running. I am so sad that in this book, Jim had not given notes yet on Mouse's voice, which he clearly did for the, for the short story, because I, I like him a lot more in the short story. Uh he he's a lot more medicine here than he ever was in the short story, I think. Even but with still, that big fight. Well, yeah, yeah. this is before his time with the carpenters and being true. all the time. He's a really good dog and getting all the trees. He got soft. Boy. I see. That's but a good point. But still, that that slight Chinese accent, just the way he like he's like the way he talks, is like I just like that more. Well, one thing I want to point out: this is actually one of the first times he's actually referred to as a demon. And the, one of the first times uh, the early Dresden verse uh, use of the word demon reappears, that I recall. No, the Eves, like a wild, like the Eves called him a mountain really? and ice demon. He's not, uh, I don't think so. he's called a demon yeah. here. At the, the fight against the Ick at uh, Rudolph's house, Esmeralda says he brought an ice demon from the land of dreams or something. Mountain and okay. ice demon from okay. the land oh, of but dreams. It is, but it is this book. I didn't notice that, but it is here too. Uh, Leah calls him a demon, also, which is—it's just kind of incongruous because they—I feel, I felt—I I think I said this earlier in the in the reread. I don't know that the Dresden Files has kept that language consistently. I thought it was dropped after like the third book. 
But uh, here it is again and changes a couple times. Anyway, just a small note there. I mean, it's not consistent because it's also like demons are also fiends from hell. They're referred to as demons. Yeah, you're seeing Outs the bad guys call him a demon. Yeah, the, the, oh, outside, yeah. the outsider, yeah. so not demons. In Chinese lore, demons are different anyway. Demons are just kind of evil spirits, right? Yeah, and he's a Tibetan sure. food dog, cloud lion thingy. Jim right. is very good about his research, so I'm sure it probably makes sense if you actually ask him about it. I don't even think it's something that's secret. It's just probably something that's folklore. Right. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a translation thing. It's just like Kami in Japanese means gods, but it means more like forest spirits. Yeah, so I, I get the translation thing. It's, uh, but it, it does fit the more neutral use of the term, which, like, the more neutral and Eastern use of the word demon does seem to, was used in the early series. But then it, it became basically just uh, equivalent to devil, as you would normally have in English uh, later in the series, if it was used at all. Well, this is where she's anyway. like, how did, how did Harry ever, like, win you? And he's like, he didn't. I chose him. Right. Yeah. I yeah. I live with I live, the wizard. I cheat. You're far from your place of power. I live with the wizard. I cheat. Such great lines. Right up there with, like, change them back now or I will bite your ass off. Literally. Bite it off. So. I, can you see who we grew up with? Right. <laughs> yeah. And then they are returned and Harry says, you don't need to talk to be able to talk about the important things or something. <laughs> right and then right right uh i think it's some crazy red vampire stumbles on them and they get into a small fight no somebody's trying to escape right so it was like a, a human oh, sacrifice yeah. Escape. yeah oh what happens in the yucatan stays in the yucatan there will be no jokes about sniffing butts or chasing tails <laughs> right and then uh, they have this plan, and it gets ruined by the first engagement with the enemy. Yep. A good, a good little note about this whole trek is that everybody was more prepared than Harry. Yes. Right. Everybody, everybody had, had rope. Everybody had water. a water. Right. Uh, I mean, to be fair, he did spend the last couple hours in real mortal time, like, fighting in the Earl King's lair, so... Yeah. A note about like everything here. Harry's power levels is actually, even though it's not really mentioned, but he reflects on that in cold days. Everything here from the point where he gets the winter night mantle, he's actually he's all souped up now. Yep, it, uh, because this is uh, knowing that they're surrounded. He's like, I need Molly, and then uh, theater happens, and he starts doing the like gravity thing here. I think. Which honestly, so the gravity thing's not even necessarily the winter night thing. I mean, no. first of all, we saw it happen on It's My Birthday too, And it was just a much smaller scale because what he did here was he tapped into a ley line. Uh, so, you know, there's like an earth magic ley line here. And he basically just, you know, pulls gravity out of like a five mile radius or something like that and focuses it down into a couple of hundred feet and just smashes the entire battlefield. Actually, I and think it was slightly different i think he does the um freezing everyone into a block of ice and tells martin to you know one bullet each or something and then the gravity happened oh okay it all happened in waves but you know they're just cannon fodder they don't really matter 
Right. Well, these guys hunting were probably like regular dudes, you know, trying, they were like the guards, right? Whereas, yeah, you're right, the trash mobs is later, so. I was just about to say, I want to be the first one to say trash mobs. This is the first time. <laughs> I think, isn't this the first time in the series? Or is there any other time in the series where Harry just cleans up a mob of enemies like this? No. Uh, it it's one on one or one on three or something like that. Maybe yeah, a couple of uh, rules pretty, in the hallway. It's pretty rare he's been put in situations where it's like, a gigantic horde. The, the closest thing was a lot of ghouls, of the big ghouls, but even then it wasn't like hundreds. It was, what, tens, fifties maybe, I don't know, something like that. That's the biggest thing he's been, like, number-wise he's been up against before. There's not many situations where he's just, like, dealing with a whole bunch of cannon fodder as the series goes the bad guys get more powerful um instead of just more numerous i really think for sure. the time. i guess on the on the island they were quite numerous but he also had like an army right well it's also like think about it right like we're, we're talking about the scales are all wrong like maybe he's thought he's fought some thugs and whatever right but it's usually his people taking those kinds of things out right because i'm thinking like the airport Michael took out the thugs, you know, I mean, he totally ganked that guy through a steel door with Amarachius at one point. Um, you know, the only other time we have something quite on the scale is like summer night. Um, you know, at least before now, like obviously we have the cold days thing. Those, out, those things in the train station, there was also a lot of them. The Hobbs. Yeah. That, but he yes, doesn't, but, I mean, he just kind of keeps them at bay, right? He doesn't yeah, really. Well, like, Michael dealt with most of the Hobbs, and yeah, Harry yeah. went and dealt with Tiny. Right. Yeah. True. So Harry's the glass cannon DPS character. He'll hit the, uh, he'll hit the big guys. So that does seem <laughs> it's, it's nice. It's nice to see it branch out to that kind of uh, show-in moment where the, the character's leveled up enough that the normal thugs aren't a threat anymore, so you can just wipe them clean with some, some ownage. And, but then he, of course, it almost immediately gets to the duel, actually. A bit of conversation with the Red King and then the duel, right? Adriana? Yeah. Um, you want to talk more about the stuff in the middle first? Well, I mean, uh, the priestess slave, what's her name? She comes over and there's the, the temple virgin or something line is going on. I'm trying to find it. So Harry yells out a gigantic challenge uh, to Ariana. And that challenge needs to be met or at least responded to. And then Alamaya comes by and offers herself. As a token of uh, peace for the Red King, kind of like come talk. And he goes and talks to the Red King and she's, he's all civil. And yeah. oh yes, let's all just get along. And you're totally not my puppet right now. Do with me as you will. I am a gift to you from the great lord. Said, oh, how thoughtful, Leah said. You hardly ever meet anyone <laughs> that polite these days. May I? <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Would you uh, say Leah's your favorite character, Alex? Yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I I like sarcasm, but I have a personal like favorite about characters who don't have sarcasm at all like drax from guardians of the galaxy it's just it's a treat just light up whenever you quote leah it's just 
fun and vicious and lovely. She's just in this insane malice. She's the Joker. I love it. But she's so happy about it. (laughs) The Joker. (laughs) The Joker's pretty happy about uh, his man. Okay, so uh, then we have... uh, yeah, they start walking up Chichen Itza, and I'm pretty sure his description of how Chichen Itza looks is really wrong because I think he says 13 levels of the ziggurat. I think it only has like six or seven. So Really? Yeah, I think the real Chichen Itza is shorter than how he describes it in this chapter because there has to be 13 levels of all of the... Of course it does. It just has to because that's the number that he got stuck to. Of like the the jaguar warriors, and then the, up to the lords of outer night and stuff, and he's t- thinking about the math as they're going up the steps. But pretty sure the real Chadinsa only has like six or seven. I will accept that as a creative. It difference. has it yeah. has eight eight, and then the pillar the thing the building okay. up. Okay, um, but I don't care because his version is cooler. It's an alternate reality where they build Chadinsa with thirteen. Yes. So there, or may, or maybe our reality just has. Uh, six underneath the ground. I was gonna say, like they're buried, hidden. They're hidden. So they like they like dig them up, and then when they leave, they bury it again. I mean, they just hide it from the uh, from the tourists. Uh, they're all powerful in that area. Anyway, anyway, I'm wasting time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So um, they are surrounded by bad guys, and everything smells like blood because they've been killing a whole bunch of people on the altar for hours. Uh, Alamaya says that the Great Lord will speak to only one person, so everyone else needs to stay right next to the Lords of Outer Night, and just thinking that they're going to be the like easily gobbled up by all the bad guys. And lo and behold, Reston is there to be the the Red King's puppet. Yes, right. Plays him like a fiddle. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't really play him per se, but oh yeah, I mean, the he pretends that he doesn't understand the language so that he can fuck him like three yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And he's probably running a con on Ariana as well. So, but as it was pointed out by one of our lovely contributors from behind, that because he can understand English, the uh, little show of losing it and being that blood addict might also be wrong or like theater and. What was the intention of that? Right. I mean, it gets Harry to it gets Harry to do his dirty work, right? Like, yeah. the The intention was exactly what happened, I would imagine. So, I mean, if it's not true that he's a blood addict, and then basically the whole, the all the reasoning Harry makes that why the mm-hmm. war didn't like why the war was so weird and ever, and why she wants to overthrow him, and uh, I'm gonna choose to believe that that part is true. Because right. otherwise, a lot of it just falls apart. And whatever, like, because if he is putting on that act for the Lords of Outer Night, very weird things that don't really get to be explained. Well, I, I imagine they're in on it, right? They'd have to be because they're at least as powerful as he is, if not more so in weird ways, right? But, like, the whole the whole game is to get people who think they could take him out in the open, Right. So people like Ariana, she takes a swipe at him, even though she can't stand up to him, but she doesn't know that. So he he doesn't even have to deal with her. In this case, he gets Harry to do it, right? 
here's the other side, right? So if Harry loses, then Harry uh, basically, like the the Red King still wins, right? He still takes out Harry Dresden, the Black Staff, weakens and possibly crushes the White Council all at one time, one go. So what does it hurt him, right? This is another mm -hmm. classic, like the supernatural community is able to set these up so that regardless of the outcome, they win. Even if Ariana pulled this off and Dresden died and the blood curse and whatever, all the Red King has to do after that is go and just squish her because she couldn't even take out Dresden. Dresden probably wasn't going to be able to take the Red King if he was, you know, duping them the whole time. So, you know, he'd probably either Ariana would just be like, you know, he would have to arrange it to the, into a way where it somehow still feeds his purpose or he'd just get her squished off the side, right? Like his Lord's Outer Night. Just be like, yeah, cool. Good job, Ariana. Just dispose of the body, you know, like just kill her. <laughs> They're bad guys. Like he's not going to keep her around. So... I mean, one thing that I, I I don't I don't think you 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 implied that the Lords of Adonai are more powerful than the Red King, and I'm pretty sure he made them. Well, and maybe not individually, but certainly together, like potentially they're potentially. really fucking powerful. So I don't know, man. It's just it's crazy to think that he'd be able to stand up to the group of them. But sure, I mean he might not be able to, but but I mean. He is like the father of like we don't know what his like where he came from, but he is the original, right? Basically. Sure. Well, I think I think it was clear to me at least in the in the reading of the book, as far as I know, I believe the original Lords of Outer Night they're kind of modeled after uh, the before time old gods kind of thing, and right. though they're now this they're people with those titles, and just like. Uh, the Red King has the title of what? What's the Aztec Khan? Khan, right? So he has the title, but he's he's the false version of it. And so the Lords of Outer Night, kind of the false versions, you kind of inherit a title from the originals. And like, uh, well, yes, it's not like Stargate, but you know what I mean, right? Like, and no, that's yeah. the version I got for the world building here. Sure. Uh, and then I was going to say one of the other things for like Ariana's motivation, right? Is like, doesn't Harry calls her out in the duel about uh, wanting to be a Lord of Outer Night, right? So at the end of the day, like this isn't her taking a swipe at the Red King. She's still just kind of using him in theory so that she can get a promotion, I thought. Mm -hmm. you know, she's like, maybe I won't take over the whole thing, but at least Lord of Outer Night. Um, you know, so like even her, like, sure, maybe eventually she will, right? But we're still talking about a time scale, you know, certainly dozens, if not hundreds of years, which is way more than Harry's got to be worried about for his kid right now, you know, so. And then the, I don't know, one one point that it wouldn't be the, the uh, Red King uh, faking it just to get Ariana to show herself as an, his enemy. It's because I, I think there's every indication that Ariana would have remained loyal and would have not been an enemy had he not had a legitimate problem. I think that's very likely. I, I think the only reason, I mean, she wants to make a power grab, but I don't think it would come at his expense unless he really were crazy. That's I at least how I read it. I think part of her acting out is, is the whole Ortega thing, right? Like, um, you know... Granted, she wanted him to suffer and all this other nonsense, right? But at the same time, it's kind of like, 
you don't get to kill him. That's my job. You know, yeah. like, it you you stole that from me, type of thing. And we're we're talking about like insane, crazy, evil vampire stuff, right? So it doesn't even necessarily make sense from like you know a quasi rational perspective. Like I think I think she would have just been content on the sidelines as long as the war was going on. And, you know, they they were winning and all this other stuff. But as soon as Ortega died, she got involved and she's going to do as much as she can to, like, gain power, make other people pay for it. You know, just all this crazy evil shit. So I don't I mean, know. The black stuff is already the black stuff is already targeted by the ritual. And she already was the ambassador and uh, gave a disease to the basically all of the white court, leaving them with the, the white uh, white council. Making basically everyone, uh, you know, out of commission. So uh, she's she's already doing a whole lot as it is, and she's already getting her revenge. So unless it's some issue of the means being wrong, if she wants to be the one with the dagger on top of Chichen Itza, then maybe maybe that's the reason. But I just don't I don't, just don't see it in there. Right. Okay, moving on. Yeah. Okay, we're going. That there is a pseudo deal that Harry and the Red King struck. He deals with Ariana, and they go on to the. Uh, well, he checks out Maggie first to make sure that she's alive, and he pulls out Bob to see what's going on on the altar. And Bob is then able to explain a big that red tongue or whatever it is he says. Gigantic cartoon lips. Yeah, okay. a goofy magic nerd. Yes. Um. So. Then he gets the idea that the whole spell is rigged and ready to go. You just need the proper trigger, of basically the obsidian knife that Harry has from Alamaya and whatnot. Uh, and the bolt. So. Yes, it's the bolt. It's all ready to fire eventually. Yeah, and then he's like, why would he just leave me with this knife then? And it's like, well, who are you going to kill? The girl? Like, yourself? You know, like, so... All right, then duel time. And it's over in like five minutes. It's a good duel though, it's fun. I, I remember it being more dramatic, but yeah, it was like just the play-by-play, -play, it seems like there's like four or four or five moves and I'm like, holy shit, it's over already, so. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more of the, the talk between Harry and Ariana of what and why she was doing things. She says, it was never about you. And he's like, I don't understand, obviously. And that I don't care. Used. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, because she's just trying to get back at Ebenezer because he, she knows, and then he figures it out afterwards. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. She's he says, like this one. Yeah. She, she says, right? Like you don't even know it's not about you. Or something right. Like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something I appreciate even more than uh, villains having their own reasons, having their own purposes, being their own heroes, is that villains, especially in this book, are smart. They know exactly what to do and why they're doing it, and they don't make. I don't think they make stupid mistakes. And this is this is an example. She's not doing the bond thing. She's not speechifying. She's not giving an opportunity. She's just talking, and she doesn't care if he knows or doesn't know. Right. I'm not going to tell you your secrets. I'm just going to kill you. Right. Yeah. Where where she gets screwed, right, is because uh, you know the Red King basically is like, "Yep, you're going to duel, but you're going to duel through energy," and they're yeah. like. Wait a minute! It's like, ah, you got this, you know. Right. Go, dress, go, go dressed in magic only. You got this, boy. Woo. So the Red King is being perfectly honest. 
I'd have been perfectly cunning and devious, which is perfect. You don't want stupid mistakes by villains. That's right. what makes the ending so satisfying. Spoilers. Uh, okay. And then she does make a stupid mistake when she gets ganked. So, right? Like she. Yeah, sure, sure. She's basically what. So, do you want to do a play by play or does it matter? Because she basically throws uh, power at him. She's pulling stones off the wall, right? And throwing them at him. Or is that oh, fight? Maya in the beginning said it's like everything in the duel has to stay contained in this courtyard. And Harry goes, like, I have this problem with buildings. <laughs> 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 I didn't notice before. <laughs> Right, that's a good and point. Harry uses the one, one advantage that we know mortal magic users have that, as far as I know, others don't with using I mean, the third. She's third a magic side. user. I think he says that but she could have done it too, but she didn't. And then she repeated herself. That's how he was able to catch her. Right. Yeah, but also, but I don't know. Can non-mortals use the sight? I think so. Theoretically, I, I don't know. That, I think that's what's so scary about, you know, them getting practitioners, right? Because you you think about it like they're afraid of even just sorceress vampires more. And they're definitely afraid of vampires getting a hold of a white council level talent, right? And that's why the Battle of Sicily was such a big deal where they had kidnapped, you know, some of the wizards and, and whatnot. Well, uh, I think one of the things about mortals is they're the ones that can call the outsiders it's like that for some reason has to be mortals right at least in everything that he's described so far um but i think any practitioner has access to the site right so well well and i mean that i mean come on they could even do it with third eye if that's if that's a thing right so it's mm -hmm. not that big of a deal comparatively but um yeah so but yeah she she doesn't use it and then you know like you said she makes the stupid same stupid tactic where like even dresden's like wow you're retarded. Like, yeah, you don't try to do the same thing twice, but it is also really cool that he has the mist and then he just makes it really spiky ice and impales her he right. like, insides and stuff. Yeah, it's such a great moment because he, he moves forward. So he's out of position where she expected. He's in the mist. She has no idea where he's at, which is, again, stupid because the site or she's a vampire or there's only so many places he could be. And then, yeah, he's like, in Frigga Fazari, you know, and just be like, yep, that's Dresden thinking like Dresden, you know, just I'm going to do some ice and I'm going to do some force and then I'm going to have vampire kebabs, so. Yep. Yep. And then the and red then totally the honors his words. Uh, like a frost spell, right? I don't think so. Sagan? Um, has he ever time. used uh, like a frost spell before this? Any other time where I remember him doing something with ice? Yeah, I mean, with the cannon fodder. He yeah, the, froze him in the off. jungle. Yeah, okay, so second time. But this is like a winter mantle thing that he is not really oh, yeah. realizing he's using. Right, right. He, he never used any ice magic before having the mantle. Yeah. And it, and that's what's kind of interesting to me, too, is like... Wait, he no, just, he did. Um, no, he proven guilty because the scarecrow or some the pumpkin head was no, chasing no, after them. He doesn't use he used fire magic yep. and uses heat around he the water. Did. It's the same thing he did in um, and White the, Knight, right? where, they, where, they, where he hits his head. They're running over water. I don't remember. Well, in in White Knight, he does the same yeah. to get away from. Yeah, so he he makes ice, but through thermal dynamics instead of through magic directly you know but yeah so it's just kind of crazy because he like instinctively does it like he's always been doing it like he doesn't have to practice or anything 
and he's got his quasi Latin phrases and everything. So it's just, I thought that was always kind of interesting. Like, I mean, from like a gameplay perspective, it would totally make sense. Right. But from like a lore perspective, it's just kind of like, well, it's kind of weird that he just like wakes up and knows how to do this shit. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, the moment when... I don't when... remember if we asked him or if someone else did, but Jim answered that basically it was part of the Winter Mantle package. Yeah. Sure, but, like, the Mantle has to use the quasi-Latin phrases, too, and just... Because the whole point of that is to protect and insulate your brain from the magical words, like... Right. I think it's so easy because of the Mantle, because you started thinking, uh, wanting to freeze people. When Rudolph starts pissing him off in the FBI building, all of a sudden he was like, I want to make him an icicle, and that's not normal. Uh gotcha. So it's super easy, but then it just goes into his normal pattern of quasi-Latin phrases and whatever he's going to translate it into. Fair. So then the Red King totally keeps his word. Because he didn't say a goddamn thing earlier. And they ride off into the sunset. Ariana's death like cattle. Y'all cattle. Just can't even believe he's like, oh, shit, I'm done. Yet cows are still dangerous. They'll still stomp you. I know if you tip one over, he could fall on you. Yeah. I like I like, I like cool the, cows with horns. The culture is kind of similar between white and red caught here. They're also like cattle, and the wizards are freaky ca- cattle because they can do magic. Right. I mean, and I think he explains that to Ramirez, where it's like, well, they see us as cows. Imagine cows doing magic. Right. Well, yeah. What's with all that freak stuff, man? Yeah. yeah. Cows with magic. They're weird. Right. Yeah, so the Red King basically is, no, I'm not going to do anything because as the director said, you know, I didn't say a goddamn thing, so um, A god does not make You promised that she would not be harmed until after the duel. It is after the duel. Now go kill the child. Right. Yeah, and he gives the he gives the knife to like a jaguar warrior who gets like ganked, and then another one picks up the knife and goes. I think so. Yeah, there's. I think he gives it to one of the mass lords of outer night, uh, and yeah, then it cue gigantic fight scene. Right. Yeah, all hell breaks loose. Right, mm-hmm. and they're totally outnumbered, and they're totally gonna die, and they're like doing their left flank thing and their right flank thing and then they're getting swarmed and then like a portal shows up yeah well, Leah is like do we want to go through all the awesome details or do we want to just skip over to the important bits like the fact that Ebenezer shows up with like a giant bulldozer of magic or the all the Kenku or, or uh, Murphy and her proclamations oh. I mean honestly I'd read that every time but yeah like it's not, it's not Murphy, I, I think Murphy, I added but... it to my notes didn't I you know because it's like you know pretenders false gods so it's such a it's such a great paladin thing to say so yeah and Bob is running around with her keeping magic away from her and he makes her like a little halo doesn't he so like okay. even like when, when 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 Harry's like protect or is that some other book where it's like protect Murphy and Bob's like sure boss we no, it's this one. I'm pretty sure, yeah, because because the Lords of Outer Night try to try to whammy him with mental magic, mm-hmm. and uh, he he's able to free Bob to help shield them a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. and he's having fun running around. Uh, Sonia's probably running around with Murphy. Thomas is break dancing and killing things, and mm-hmm. Molly's doing the one woman rave with a lot of 
efficacy, I think. Right. And okay. And then the uh, Leah summons the Grey Council, basically, like she throws some gem or something out, right? Something so, like Yeah, emeralds. Like yeah. An emerald that breaks and then like the, the, exactly, 12, exactly 12. Exactly 12 lightning, uh, lightning strikes. And there's exactly 12 people appear because there's 12 people on the council. Got the number 12 again. Oh, Thir man. Oh. 13. Harry's a member. 13. Right. Well, okay, but, but only 12 have to show up. So, yeah, but it's then it's, then it's 13 again. Like, Sure, sure. sure. So. Yeah, there's, there's lore reasons, and there's lore reasons for that. But it's just, uh, we, I think we only know two members of the council, right? Ebenezer, well, besides Three. Harry. Uh, right. So, so, yeah, so uh, Ebenezer, Vaderung, and Harry. Almost, almost certainly, Ramirez is on the council. I, I mean, he would have recognized Lucio, I think, if she was there. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. But Lucio was probably yeah. taken out of commission, and as per Steed's previous right. letter, right, um, right. Also, there's Lucio also somebody else that that Harry almost certainly knows, even though we may not know who it is, just because the whole Fuego thing. It was like, <laughs> wait a minute, that's my spell. <laughs> so. It might be someone who looks up to Harry, but it's not Ramirez because he's in a different wheelhouse metrically, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, then, uh, and then the two hundred dudes who like go to shoot at them, or four hundred dudes, like just lining the walls, and then Ebenezer's just like, nah. pick the wrong side, boys. Yeah, pick the wrong contract. Just <laughs> rips the life out of them. So he's got the highest kill count in the Dresden Files that we've seen on screen, anyway, because he's just uh, like, hey, you fuckers, whoop. Well, yeah, there's Casa Verde that he did before. True, but that was only still like seventy dudes. I thought like it was it was a, a an amount, but it didn't break a hundred or something. And, so. and but it wasn't so immediate too, which is kind of the thrust of the moment that he just snuffed right. out two hundred lives, snuffed out two hundred lives in one instant using the right. black staff. It's also nice that he's like and, and Leah is giddy. Leah is like jumping up and clapping her hands, right. smiling like it. <laughs> yeah, she's having a lot of fun getting her revenge, and this is the first, I think, and only time we actually see the real black staff. Yeah, I it's like Harry true. getting like his yeah. mentor staff as well. Mm -hmm. It's like because he can use it just as well as he could use his own. It's made from the same. Yeah, I like how the, scene, the whole scene is described. Like, oh, yeah. you can feel the magic. Like, oh, like oh. right more of that. And this black staff thing is like evil and alive. And, and black weird. veins up the arm that can't possibly be bad, <laughs> right? And then Ebenezer summons the Kenku, mm -hmm. and they just show up with samurai swords and start just chopping people. Yeah, and they owed him. One thing is that I'm pretty sure in, in Japanese mythology they'd be Tengu, not Kenku, so I think they're slightly different, but they are, right. uh, but in bird monsters, yeah. In, I believe Kenku are a a D and D invention, as near as I've seen. I I tried to research that. We talked about this on the show, you know, a, a year ago? or two ago. Yeah, it's been a while, but but yeah, when I when I did research, like I couldn't find another reference to them before D and D anyway. So, but. Do, do you guys remember when we did research? <laughs> We're doing research now. We're going with the primary source. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. The Dresden Files. So. <laughs> That's a good response. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Harry summons Leah and runs back up towards the altar. And I think Martin is just kind of hanging around, being unnoticed because he's boring. 
Right. But there are a couple of moments where like, you know, it talks about Martin almost gets overrun there and Martin slinks off over here and Martin almost gets shot or something like that. Because I, I remember noting like there were so many fucking close calls where, oh, I think there's one where like somebody like turns around to shoot or or swing their sword or something. And he's like right in the way. And it's like, for the love of God, if they had just followed through, like <laughs> they, they would have just been done, you know, like, uh, one of the uh, one of the details I missed uh, in on basically every reread with this current one is Mab is involved, directly involved in Harry's charge up the, the tower. I just right. skipped over that paragraph. Right. Yeah, she uh, she whispers him, to him. Mm-hmm. She, she gives restores him. his stamina and things like that. Right through the mantle. Yeah. And then, but also, but specifically the uh, the frost armor and everything like that uh, as he charges yeah, up. That could also just, you would see him do that again instinctively in something similar, at least in, uh, in Cold, Cold Dates, yeah. where Matt is not whispering to him. It could also just be him connecting with that power. It doesn't have to yeah, be Matt applying her will. Uh, there, there is specifically, we, we, stu- uh, we do see uh, him hear her words. He says, I heard a uh, light voice whispering to me. But I know that my voice, uh, my queen's voice, or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, yeah, but so that, it, I mean, I I took that more metaphorically, mm. personally. That he was like connecting with that power within, and you know, it comes from her. Sure, sure, sure. I wonder what would have happened if he tried to summon her. Mad, mad, mad by summoning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably really pissed her off, but she would probably also helped out a bit. Right. Um, hmm. uh, there's a. Da, 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 they're getting mobbed, and then. See, Harry says something like, go after the dude with the gold mask, and then Murphy just does it, and he didn't expect that. And, and Ta- Asanya goes at the tiny but fierce thing again. Right. Uh, it's a lot of mobs. Right. Did you play MMOs? <laughs> that that's an MMO term for sure. This is a dungeon. This is yeah. Nonsense. So I mean, a lot of a lot of the rest of the fight is them climbing the the tiers, and then they get to the top, and there's like three lords of outer night or something like that, and they go to whammy them again. But it turns out that one of them was Leah, right? Um, yeah, because he, I think this is the time when he mentioned the gold mask. Go after that one because that's a lord of outer night, and then they go past that guy. But when he's up at the altar, he's like, that mask is familiar. And <laughs> right. that's the one that Leah had taken. Right. Yeah. So so she she kind of like sucker punches him. And then Susan is there invisible. And, uh, yeah. But because she has Amarachius, there's also the white light of holiness just kind of coming out of nowhere. Right. And using the Red King. He's like, uh, all, those were all stories, right? Like, this isn't really a thing that could happen, is it? it she cut yeah. off his hand. And right. it starts doing the thing right. from the Adder's family going up his leg and reattaching itself. Yep. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yep. Uh, so then, uh, then while he's basically distracted and whatever, like Martin just like comes out of nowhere and like double kicks her in the face, right? So yeah. Uh, and, and then the red king's like, "You broke your cover," and he's like, "Well, it seemed like a good time." So, 
Martin. Martin. Voice of practicality. We have yeah. missed you. The Fellowship of St. Giles is totally obliterated. We released our strike teams like two hours ago or something like that. It's very Ozymandias, you know, like everybody loses. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not a comic book villain. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Harry's trying to figure things out, but he's pretty much paralyzed and unable to do anything, except he can repurpose his communication with Elaine to Susan because he knows her very well and intimately and can kind of point her in the right direction. Biblically, yeah. yeah. And they're like, hey, Susan, you know, how did they find out where the baby was? And how did they find out this? And who did all the things? And who needs just really to die right now? And and then she does, so. Something I've been wondering about with this moment here, which we'll get into more in Ghost Stories and Cold Days, is did Harry get this retconned by Molly, or is he in denial? Because he does not represent the situation later as it was. Right, what he describes in Skin Game is different. Well, he describes who did what slightly differently. I, know, I'm, I haven't gotten to... I feel like I've heard this before, but I'd have to reread it. So, so in Change, <laughs> Harry blames himself. He says he killed Susan, it essentially and everything but in skin game what he says to michael is like if this was martin martin did everything and she lost it uh, even though harry's the one that pointed her in that direction and he blames himself and changes yep yeah. just no, just notice over the next couple of books how you think i'm just wondering if molly when she was in there remember uh, if or has gone in there i don't know or if Jim is just forgetting? I don't think so. This is a big moment. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. So, like, you know, Harry says the words of everything, right? But, like, Harry couldn't have pushed her over the edge without Martin doing it. So maybe no, he no, comes but Harry, what actually happens. This is one of those times where, like, while I don't like Susan, I get why Harry hates himself for it, because this is Harry's idea, and he does say it specifically because he knows what's going to happen. Right. And it was oh, Martin's what? plan as well. Um and he flatulates himself for so much, but he seems like over the next couple of books, he like kind of lets this go or remembers it's, it differently. It's kind of like the crossbow situation, right? Like he didn't bring the crossbow. He didn't wind up the bolt. He just pointed it, you know, but, uh, you know, they, they definitely bear a healthy amount of the blame here. So, I mean, sure. I, I, like I said, I got to reread it and everything, but yeah, well, but just, so just keep a note of it. Like, or in your mind when you, when we right. get to those next couple of books. Uh, in this exchange, when Harry is paralyzed and he gets Susan to start asking more questions, this is when Martin does the whole exposition thing of why target this girl? is because the child's father is the son of Margaret Le Fay, the daughter of the man who killed her husband. By killing Maggie, this way she would have vengeance on the whole line of McCoy's slash Dresden's. Right. And yeah, Harry can't have much of a visual dramatic response because he's paralyzed. He was stunned. And this is where he makes the decision. And yeah. He gets the soul gaze as well and realizes, while nobody else will ever really know except Harry, that Martin was a double double agent. Uh, right. Is that called triple? <laughs> I, I put it in as a triple cross, right? Like yeah. he so he was he was the red court working for St. Giles to double double cross them. And then he really somehow wanted the red 
the red court to die anyway. I feel so, like that's, that makes a triple. Right. So At least. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. But, so, but he was originally just the double agent. He was originally just. Yeah, but over the centuries, he turned. Right. Oh, sure, sure. But through, over the centuries, after, as he was working with the fellowship, he actually took their side and began to betray his true employer. Kind of took their Which side. He took the side. Yeah, he yeah. took the side of at any cost. So, oh, sure. So sure. I guess that's another question, right? Did did he actually release the strike teams then, or was that just a ploy? I think so. Because what Hannah Asher said uh, in Skin Game is that during this time, everything was normal until they all died. Gotcha. For her, so, where she was. Right. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't, like, it's like they're in cells. But if going with his plan that this is a time that they're using the spell to kill the whole Red Court as he wants to, I assume that's just a lie. That he, there was no strike team. He was just telling the but he that. He, to be fair, Martin's very pragmatic and he doesn't know it's, that it's going to turn out the way he hopes it might turn out. But this is his one gambit. This is his either, end game. He yeah, either, yeah, either way, he knows he's not making it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And again, it kind of goes back to like, who who is she going to kill in this moment, right? Martin knew he was going to have to be the one that died to make it work so that she could turn, so that she could yeah. be the youngest vampire. So it could have gone either way, right? Like, he could have killed Susan to become the youngest vampire and then kill himself, or he lets her kill him and then Harry kills Susan. Right. Either way, he had two people there to be able to make it necessary. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. That, oh, that would have been an interesting way to do it. And he was it. asking for his reward, his ascension into being a vampire. So that might have been how he suggested to do it. That's fair. Yeah. Right. So he would have just like thrown himself on the altar and be like, eh. yeah, something like that. Or explained it to Harry, who then would have wanted to murder him anyway because. Right. He just killed Susan. And, and now in Mirror Mirror, a plot that I want to see is if the world changed in this instant, where it wasn't Susan who died, but or if both Susan and Martin died, but Martin was the one who sacrificed himself. Well, in Mirror Mirror, we don't in know Mirror, if Maggie Mirror, is. That's right. true. Well, in Mirror Mirror, it's a grave peril, as is the switch. Yeah, I, figured they'll do it. I was right. thinking of Spider-Verse set up for Mirror Mirror. Right. Uh, so there's a million different possibilities. But uh, maybe just as in Mirror Mirror, Dresden's totally going to be Red Court anyway. So the White Council's going to be the one that's dead. It's funny. So. Speaking of Mirror Mirror, he actually sets up the premise of Mirror Mirror in uh, in Cold Days when he talks to Radarong. They talk about the grandfather paradox, where Radarong explains to him. I think the way it will work is separate timelines. There's a conservation of history. Right. Sure. Spoilers and totally other books. We got eight minutes before we're like way over. Way, way, way over. Okay, yeah. um, so who's going to say the words? Who's got the gravitas to make it happen? I did it. I saved the world. Oh, come on. No, you, you messed it up. Jesus Christ. I don't remember. I don't do it myself. I used, I used the, and I, I used the knife. I saved a child. I won a war. God forgive me. Oh, All right. That was much better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I, I try to do the whole thing. I can't bring my voice back like that. James Marsters, man. 
He deserves yeah. an Academy Award for that. Yeah, no shit. Such a great, oh, so good. Such a good performance. I mean, if D&D can win an Emmy for this last season of Game of Thrones, anything's possible. <laughs> right. This is why Dresden should be animated and keep Marsters. There you go. He does all the voices. <laughs> Sorry, hey. James Marsters as James Marsters. They'll save money on like, talent. Just, just James. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you know what? Some fan out there should just get on the animation program, take the audiobook, and then give us animated Dresden files through the audiobook. Right. And just use that. That'd be fantastic. All right. Anyways. Okay. So, right. everybody dies. Oh, wait. All the everybody vampires dies. and a whole lot of half vampires die because any of the ones that have been super old quickly catch up, you know, kind of like the Denarians do. Um, and this creates the night of bad dreams somehow. Right. right. Because Which is still not explained. Right. At what point that has yet to be resolved as per typical Jim Butcher style. But we set up something in book two we're going to see in book ten. Yeah. And as this is happening and the red cord is dying, this is creating a vacuum and the Fomor are quickly eating all of that up. Right. And... In aftermath, you see that George has been kidnapped. Right. Like, really quickly, right? Because, like, Murphy is still, like, in her party dress, for fuck's sake, right? Like, yeah. Uh, because Billy wasn't even there. So he comes back home, like, the next day, and then, like, everything was destroyed, and he knows that Georgia and Andy has been kidnapped. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, to, to wrap up a couple of the things that happened in the book still, at least, um, you know, you have, so he actually talks to Ebenezer, they get to have their little discussion and like, oh, I know, and how did she know? And oh, we fought like family, and that's how she figured out that we were related. And, um, you know, you get the, the little bit of, you know, like truth there with the whole, like, which one's scarier, evil or stupid? And, you know, stupid hops every time. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you get some of that. You get a lot of the aftermath with, like, the wounded. And Molly gets evac'd on a Navy, a U.S. Navy helicopter because mm -hmm. Laura, pr presumably. So they, they fly a helicopter into a foreign power's airspace. You know, and then... Backers. It says, be truthful, Sergeant Murphy. You told the number to the dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Thomas was busy. Thomas was busy. Uh, he had a lot on his mind. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, when talking to Ebenezer, though, the, oh, Harry recognizes Vaterung was there with his spearheaded staff. Right. Um, he have a conversation about that. Uh, how did Merlin make out? No one knows, but Vaterung taught him. Right. That, yeah, that, and it's like, it was something like, how how did you get here or something? It's like, I think our elders ran a game on us, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. so, and that's Ebenezer saying it. So it's like Leah and Vaterung and, you know, mm -hmm. the other powers that be did something, so. Yeah, I think Harry even is like, our elders? Mm -hmm. Like, your elder? Right. Yep, and then... Yeah, I guess that was the last note I had. So then, then you have they go back, they go to the water beetle. Murphy and Harry get close. Is there they something get to else? keep through the the um, green lightning gate that Vaterung left? That was oh, part right. of Leah's deal. So they go straight from Chichen Itza to St. Mary's, um, and then Harry just kind of 
leaves. Murphy is dealing with Maggie, and I think there was a quick conversation with Sonia. That's when he gets the key for the water beetle. And then he just sure. goes and he goes get some coke and orange orange juice or and soup or what is it he eats. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, yeah, he kind of rests, relaxes, you know, they they have the whole moment with Murphy. She's she leaves to go get dolled up. <laughs> they're totally mm -hmm. oh an important thing his, la his last earthly procession almost like crumples up yeah yeah the duster yeah, yeah. The, the duster that susan gave him in full moon yeah. is yeah. now dead the thing is tatters yep and then he paints the wall red and uh goes for a swim finally he gets some rests He's, I think it's like it's, it's like finally like he's like he can finally as he falls into water he's like he talks about how he can finally fall asleep. Yeah, there are yeah, other um, you know if only it ended like that if only it ended like that and not the freaking train. Then the, <laughs> the, the train is the last. One. There's a couple yes, other details. I, I, think, I think I think he had I think Butcher had to let you know that this wasn't the end because I think there were so many people that read changes and they're like oh god is he coming back. And like I got into it around cold days, I think. So like Ghost Story had already come out, and they were still like there was still a lot of unsurety of like how does this work out and everything like that. And but for me, it was like it was never really in doubt. But I think there were a lot of fans that were like, "Oh shit, you know, like this is really bad." <laughs> so if he had just left it on a cliffhanger like that for a year, uh, that could have been bad, you know? Yeah, I guess. If you have a book series named after a main character, you kill off the main character halfway through, I dig it. I well, love it. Well, yeah. not a lot of people know how many books there's going to be, right? So, like that's we true. do, obviously, but how many of us other fans do? True, that's, that's true, that's true. And apparently, you can just keep running around as a ghost indefinitely. But, right. Yeah, as right. long as you don't use all your memories. But that's for uh, next episode. We, Yay, we did. Well, we saved this. We actually finished changes. Is this real life? <laughs> yep. Yep. Three parts. parts three <laughs> and four. This is the, <laughs> parts three and four of our Dresden Files changes discussion. Yeah. It, I don't. I don't want to edit without the uh, director's approval, though. Uh, I mean, we're at the end of the book. It's just fucking plug away. <laughs> okay, so this has been a production of Broken Jars Podcasting Network. Uh, I don't know. I think I don't think we're incorporated yet. Yeah, so Broken <laughs> Jars. We also do other podcasts. Uh, there's uh, High Fantasy on hiatus. Uh, go check out the backlog there. We also have Great Scott, which is all about the American version of The Office, starring Michael Scott. The Office, the better version of The Office, uh, starring Michael Scott during all its good seasons. And then we also have, uh, let's see here. Uh, do you guys, have you guys started that D&D podcast? Yeah, we have. Episode, episode one is, is live. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. What should what you talk about this last episode? Uh, we talked about Session Zero. Uh, if, you, if people know what that is, in, 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 like how we do our different Session Zeros, which is basically setting up a game. Sure, world. sure. So, how to meet, how the characters meet, and how to do the backstory, and how to do the. Uh, yeah, for example, and then we do each, in each episode the plan is to do um, 
questions from people. So we did some of those. Uh, and there was just an introduction of who we are and what the show is about. Pretty legit. Yeah. Anonymous. Legit. What do you figure out the uh, name of the uh, the podcast yet? DMs Anonymous. DMs Anonymous. Go and check out uh, DMs Anonymous for some brand new uh, Broken Jazz Network content. Also, check out Sim Talk. Sim Talk, which is all about professional simulations, a highly professional podcast, nearly as professional as the Dresden Files podcast. And they talk <laughs> about professional simulations. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for, uh, for podcasts. Thank you for watching. This has been parts three and four of our changes discussion. Uh, to our mega special blowout spectacular, uh, probably three to four to six weeks, we'll have another episode.